Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. Today, today is the 21st of Izzo, year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bun and Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III of The Athletic. James. How long were you sitting on that? Since the buzzer sounded, I I was like, how do I do this? Because I had, like, eight different jokes in the chamber on how I was going to open the show, referencing uh, Michigan State pulling that win off against Marquette, a win that I would argue they had no business pulling off, going two of sixteen for three from three. Um, but uh, we I'd learned argue the opposite. Why? That it should have been a bloodbath. Oh, oh, no, well, okay, you're actually right because if Michigan State was them. hitting their threes, right? Which, which is, and it's not like asking much. They were the third best three point shooting team in the country. Hundred percent. They did everything else very well, so I think Marquette is lucky to have escaped with only a nine-point loss. If we're if we're being honest with ourselves, can Spartan I give you a dogs? Can I give you a Shaka Smart gripe? Rough. Yeah, go ahead. What's your Shaka Smart gripe? You the one thing I love about you is we'll hit on a topic and then you go to the most obscure part of said topic well shaka smart is a premier coach no i agree but michigan state just made the sweet 16 Uh, they look good they have a chance for final four and you want to start with shaka i i love it but go go ahead go ahead he's he's got to get off the court dude he did spend a lot of time and like help defense out there i'm he's like they're on his end of the floor and he's like bumping elbows with sissoko what they get off the court dude yeah he's got to relax well now he'll be off the court for a few months. <laughs> He's got eight months to eight to stand back. Shout out to the dogs. That's you like our do. odds? You like our odds against Kansas State? I kind of do. I like our odds against anybody that's left. And speaking of that, me and Rodney Magruder have a bet. Yes, I I was gonna bring this up. Go for it. The old Luke Kennard bet. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, if Michigan State wins. Rodney has to wear a Michigan State hoodie to a game this year as his as his as his fit, as his red carpet fit, runway fit. And if Kansas State wins, I have to wear a Kansas State hoodie uh, to a game. Not as I don't take as much brunt um, of of a joke because I'm nowhere near as famous sure. or popular as Rodney or people. I don't I don't have cameras when I walk into the arena, but. It's a it's a it's a bet that I approached him with. He was very excited to do it, and go green. Like I'm not Kansas State is good. Noel's a monster. I'm afraid of Kansas State, but I I mean they're beatable. I'm not like afraid of them. We opened as one and a half point favorites, which is basically saying it's a coin flip and like anything could happen. But still yeah. one and a half point favorites. Um, what's the like? 
What are the logistics of a bet like that? If let's say let's say you win, okay, and he has to wear a Michigan State hoodie, are you making him buy a Michigan State hoodie, or are you are you guys like the same size? Or are you just gonna lend him one and We're vice sim- versa? He wears extra large. I wear large, extra large. I'll just go. I'd go buy a Michigan extra large Michigan State hoodie. I'm not gonna give him one of mine, just because like I don't. I feel like I just meant for weird. like a game. Yeah, oh, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably yeah, go buy. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. go buy one because I know he has a. He told me he was gonna give me a fresh Kansas State one. Like I assume he just has packs of them at his house. Isn't that what Luke did? I don't know. I actually found that because I, as I've told you before, we're, I'm I'm moving this week. I I found that. Yeah. I need to I need to send that to you. I have yeah, it. well, it's like right behind me. And that's what. So that was what year would that was that the final four? That couldn't have been. Uh, it was whatever year they lost to Duke. It might have just been a regular season game. Honestly, it was probably like Champions Classic or Big Ten yeah. ACC or something it like that. Might have been something like that because. He was in Detroit when Goins hit the shot over Zion, so it wouldn't have been that game. So it had to be a regular season game. You know, I'm glad you brought that game up because I would have forgotten to to bring up this take. I'm watching Michigan State, and I'm thinking to myself, and I get it that retiring numbers in college is is different. Like, you have to be a dude for them to retire your number. Where are we at with, like, should you really be allowed to wear five as a Michigan State basketball player? Are we sure? Speaking of, I mean, this is a good segue into something. My dad texted me, and uh, Papa Edwards had a take. Are you ready for this? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear it. He said Tyson Walker's better than Cassius. Oh, my God. Papa, no. And I'll say this. I'll say this. I said he went a little too far. But with that said, I think the biggest reason we we kind of scoff at that is because Cassius was here from the start and Tyson just showed up already like 23, 22, 21, whatever age he is. Yeah. Uh, But like, I definitely think he's a better shot maker than Cassius. I I don't know because he plays like he thinks he's Otto Porter, but he's Jabari Parker. Like these two foot inside the three point line jumpers that he always takes drive me up the wall. And this little flail that he does around the rim, bro, it goes in, but it's not a good shot. And that's kind of like the, you know, if it goes in, does it really matter? That's yeah. No, right now. No, I don't give a shit. As long as it goes in that lefty, that was tough. That lefty off the glass. Tough. 100%. 100%. He hit some tough shots in that game, but there were so many moments. Also, Malik Hall, uh, make a corner three challenge, maybe? Yeah, that was rough. That was rough. He had, he did have that big offensive rebound late yep. that Izzo got hyped for. Joey Hauser deserves a lot of apologies from a lot of people. Um, I owe A.J. Hoggard, Hogard, whatever how you say his last Hogard, name. Hogard, huge game. A, a bunch Beast. of apologies. I did not – I'm surprised. Like, he's college good. Like, we're, when we're talking about good, like, so we're talking about college for the landscape. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't think he'd be college good. Like I, when I first saw AJ Hogard, I thought he was like a walk on that Izzo just loved. Didn't realize he was like a four star recruit and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's turned into a good player. Um, I like Hogard. I like, I like this team, and it stinks because like during the season I don't get to watch that much because I'm just so one. I it's watching college basketball is rough. I'm in. NBA guy through and through. But two, I'm working. Actually, that's one. I'm working. I don't have. I don't always have the time to watch Michigan State. But I, when it comes Big Ten tournament time and NCAA tournament time, I'm pretty locked in. And just to see this team, the way that they're defending, is like as good of a 
job as I've seen from an Izzo team defensively. Like, it's absurd how kind of just on their P's and Q's they are on that end of the floor. And the fact that they haven't really even shot the ball well yet and already have two wins is, like, that's very, 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 very uh, exciting to me as somebody who has been rough on Izzo because he hasn't won all the final four trips. He's only won one when I was eight, and it was because he had a whole bunch of players from the city of Flint, the great city of Flint. Uh, I don't know, man. There's something. It feels like if any Izzo team was going to do some random shit, it would be this team, as we talked about before. 100%. 100%. Because when he has the really good teams, my brother and I were talking about this just last night, when he has the really good teams – the ones the that really are like, good players, yeah. Right. The ones that are like consensus favorites to win a title, that's when you get upset by Middle Tennessee State. Like, that's what happens to those teams. Um, my only Izzo gripe is like he's been coaching this team for three decades now, still can't navigate his own defense. That's why we lost to Syracuse a few years ago. That's just like his – if you put a Michigan State team in a full-court press, run his own defense, you're, you're going to win. Lights out. Toast. I mean, they didn't yesterday, but the point <laughs> remains, right? And can I get a ruling on the Cassius Winston thing, though? Like, I get it. If Tim Tebow can't get 15 retired at Florida, like, why would Cassius Winston get five retired at Michigan State? But yeah, I, you know I what I mean? A, I think we're re- – like, he didn't – as much as Cassius, the story was great. Like, he didn't win anything. I mean, Big I guess Big Ten titles. titles. That's, that's cute and all, man, but we need natties. We need natties. All these Final Fours, all these Sweet 16s. They're not calling us a blue blood blue blood because we have one natty in the last twenty years, which is first of all ridiculous. Izzo has more Sweet Sixteens than seventeen NCAA than only than only seventeen NCAA programs have more Sweet Sixteens than Tom Izzo. Not even as Michigan a, State as a coach, right? As yeah. a coach, we are a blue blood program, but we need to shut some people up. I need to be shut up. I want a natty, man. I want a natty soon, and if this team gets the natty. I don't even like college basketball that much, but this is like I think I'm locked in. I'm invested right now. There's something about this team I just really I really like. I don't want to get ahead of myself because like we play what on Kansas State on Thursday, and like this could age poorly so quick if that game goes south. But just for the sake of it, if this team goes up against Brandon Miller, what's what's the vibe on this podcast? That's fine. We're going. What do you mean? What's the vibe? Do I'd be pretty this? devastated. Do you? You see oh, this? James is showing me his his uh, gruff Sparty tattoo. I did not even know you had that. That's what we. What do you mean? We have degrees over here from there, man. <laughs> I'm in debt because of that school. <laughs> we're, we're going with MSU all day. All the day. only couple other all big day. surprises in the tournament. Uh, well, I I can't lead with that and then bring up the Purdue thing because I th- were you just kind of like yep. During that FDU-Purdue game, you saw it happen. You saw Purdue get the brakes beat off of him, and you were just kind of like, yep. Yeah, I was happy. Yeah, but I mean in the sense that, like, they can have a one seed if they want, but nobody's going to take them seriously. Yeah, for sure. Like, I again, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched a ton of Purdue this year, but. Don't need to. Uh, from everything I had read and heard leading up to it, I, I just didn't think they were. I, I just truly didn't think there was that there was that dominant team in college basketball. Like I think Houston is probably the Houston, closest thing yeah. to it. Um, like I love obviously Drace Walker. I love Marcus Sasser. Um, they have other, uh, other guys that, that played big minutes the other night. Um, 
I think the other close team, like, I mean, Alabama, just because they have Brandon Miller. Um, Arkansas has, like, two or three pros, but obviously they're eight seed, so they have flaws. Um, Yeah, man, I don't know. But, yeah, Purdue. It just felt cool to see, uh, because I actually, I was on the phone when the FDU game was happening, and I got like a, oh, my gosh, are you seeing what's happening? And I I had to multitask really quick. Um have you started to do the thing where you put a bunch of stock in any particular guys with how they're performing in the, uh, in the tournament or are you, are you shying away from that? Like for NBA draft purposes? Yeah. Yeah. I think Marcus Sasser is the next Terry Rozier as an early second, late first guy. Okay. Um, I love, I understand why people have hesitancy with Anthony black because he is here. It is reserved offensively he doesn't shoot the ball well but he makes the right read he's a monster defensively i really like anthony black and he put um he put uh who did they just beat couldn't tell you honestly. Uh, i did is... not watch anything that arkansas did this year even though anthony black is on the team what's oh uh dick grady or grady oh, dick. kansas kansas yeah, yeah okay put, yeah he put grady dick in in his t-shirt um, <laughs> I like him uh, even more. I mean, I, I, I've again, I watch college basketball, but I watch the prospects. Like I watch the teams, so I've I've watched more. Ar- I've honestly watched more Arkansas than Michigan State this year because Pistons are gonna. Who's the Who's the guy that the other really good dude for Arkansas that Anthony Black always lights it up with? You know who I'm talking about. You talking about I, Smith Junior? Is that who it is? I wouldn't yeah, I draft. Don't, I don't like him. I wouldn't draft Anthony Black unless I can have him. Anthony Black. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't I'm straight with Nick Smith Jr. I'm not a fan. That's a not... that is a tandem. That is a dynamic duo, capital D. I don't know about all that. James Edwards the third of the athletic. What do you say we get to some pistons talk today? Can we take a break first? Of I course. Gotta go, I gotta go potty. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Alrighty, James. Uh, meat and potatoes of the Detroit Pistons today. I have a a segment that I want to debut. If that's all right with you. Did we ever take a break? Yeah, that's what the you saying. I gotta go potty was me. Use that's where how we're gonna do the transition. Oh, okay, that was quick. The segment idea here is called. Am I saying something here, or am I just talking? And the idea of this segment <laughs> is I wrote down five how, takes. How many thought? How much thought goes into these things? Like, are you thinking about this all week? Yeah. Usually, like, I thought about this on Tuesday when the last pod released. Okay. And so I spent the next few days kind of refining some stuff. And then today I, I did some final checks. And I have one. We'll get to that in a second. But I have five takes here. Some of them might be a little bit like, what? who is this guy? What are you talking about? And if that's the case, then you just say, I'm just talking. But if I'm onto something, then you got to let me know and say, I'm saying something here. You, right. you know what I mean? Yep, let's do it. Get your get your stuff off, sir. So we're going to start with one 
And I'm a guy who I like to think that, you know, I've, I, I don't think I need to always preface this, but I will never say something that I do not believe, right? So I always have that conviction. That's debatable. No, 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 no. I will sometimes be wrong, and then I'll look back, I'll put a hand up, and I'll be like, that was me. I got to own this one. I got to wear it on my chest. I was wrong about this thing. But in the time that I said it, I meant it 100%, right? So I've been chewing on this one for like a week. We're going to start off with one that I think I'm trending towards... I don't like this one, but I'm still going to say it for posterity because I think it could trigger some interesting Pistons dialogue. Okay? Mm-hmm. Rodney Magruder and Corey Joseph are not just ideal, but potentially essential veterans for this team moving forward. And losing them, the prospect of potentially losing those two guys in free agency should kind of piss fans off. Do you want me to elaborate on why I think this before you 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 give your ruling? Uh, yeah, elaborate, but I actually, that's a great segue. Um, if you're listening to this, first of all, I did a story on Taylor Call, the Pistons dietitian, to learn what it takes to like feed these behemoths. Oh. So check that out. Um, and then also on Wednesday, the day after you're listening to this, if you're listening to it when it came out, I will have a story on Rodney Magruder, the NBA's best teammate. So check out the story on Rodney Magruder. Okay, there it is, right there. Let me elaborate. Give me the floor again. When we had Isaiah Stewart on the show um, in the middle of last year, I think the entire week between that episode and the next episode, we both probably got, I got a few of them. I don't know about you. Maybe you got more tweets about it. A lot of texts being like, um, so Rodney Magruder is awesome because Isaiah kept gassing up Rodney Magruder. And we were like, do we need to get him on the show? Like, what is this deal with Rodney Magruder? I mean, so I knew all this. Right, but you're around everybody, and, and we don't. We didn't know this. It was we a shock don't listen, to people. We don't listen to James, yeah. Well, we don't, but it's different when it comes from the horse's mouth, no? Yes. All right, I guess. So Rodney Magruder has clearly adopted this, like, parental role within the team. Additionally, I think there's so much value in a guy like Rodney Magruder because he's always ready. You know what I mean? Yes. And if it's a if it's a roster that we're expecting, right, if, if everybody's healthy and the guys that we're expecting to play are playing – the minutes that we anticipated they will, the rotations are what we could expect, then Rodney Magruder is going to kind of be the odd man out and he's not going to play a ton. But he's the guy, when you have those injuries, when you have dudes who are day-to-day, dudes in foul trouble, he always comes in and he gets his. And the value in that is, I think, as a from a, a psychological perspective, being able to to talk to the guys on the team who are kind of going to be the odd man out on some nights, um, and encouraging them to stay ready, and you know, teaching them what it takes. I think that's valuable. Additionally, with Corey Joseph, that's just a veteran who sees the floor well, and he's a leader. And the roller coaster that Pistons fans have been on since Corey got here has, you know, we, it's been pretty palpable, and we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point. But. I just think that there's so much value in having those two guys. And the reason that maybe I'm a little lukewarm on this and think like, is it that serious? Is because those aren't the only two veterans in the league who do those respective things. You know what I mean? But the Pistons have them. They're not going to cost that much money to retain. And you really don't lose anything by doing it. So I think that the importance of having them moving forward is actually kind of real. Thoughts? Um, I think you have, I think you've made valid points. I think, I think Rodney without question is somebody that if the Pistons can, will bring back. Uh, now I say that with a little bit of hesitance because Rodney's shooting the blood out of the ball. 
and it wouldn't surprise me if a championship or playoff aspiring team wanted to add him to their rotation. Now, um, I also wouldn't be surprised if that's not the case because that obviously wasn't the case last summer. But he is a guy, like you said, stay ready. It's not. It's not necessarily about. It's not necessarily about the stuff Rodney brings on a day to day basis when everybody's healthy. Is you heard like you said, you heard it from Isaiah Stewart. You're going to hear it from Jaden Ivey and Marvin Bagley when you read my story. Like the stuff that he brings daily to this team cannot be replaced and is something that fans can't appreciate because they're not they're not part of the team. Not in the building. Yeah, they're not in the building. With that said, the level of professionalism that Rodney carries, the ability to stay ready is something that young players struggle with and something that Rodney executes at a very high level. And um, just guys talking to guys about this, like not only is he the guy that vocally talks the talk for these young guys, but he when he gets when he plays, he walks the walk, and that goes further. This isn't a guy just at the end of the bench chirping and telling you you need to do this better and that better, and he's not playing. When he does play, he's a plus player. So that goes a long way for these young guys, and I think Rodney, assuming. Nobody else like throws a semi medium smallish bag at him to be part of their rotation. I think the Pistons very much will try to keep him. Corey is interesting only because he carries a lot of the similar similar qualities to Rodney where locker room loves him. He also has been shooting the blood out of the ball lately. Uh he knows what to do. I think fans' biggest gripe with him is that he's played so much. <laughs> Excuse me, hold on. Bless you, James. Not, thank you. Fans' biggest gripe is that he's playing so much, and they're like, Dwayne keeps playing Corey. Well, if you think about it, since Corey came here, Killian was out for months. Uh, Cade's been out for months. Corey, when in the brief moments where those guys were all healthy at once, Corey was not part of the rotation. And if he was, he was playing like minimal minutes. So – I think if Corey is willing to take a role where he doesn't play, there's not guaranteed minutes. I think there is great value because he, one, is a guy that is very much appreciated in the locker room, is liked, brings great energy, just kind of always in a good mood, always trying to make people laugh, just good mood, good guy. Um, but he also is stays ready. So, I mean, like you said, there are veterans who – that doesn't mean that the Pistons won't get veterans that are like rotation veterans or starting level veterans. But if you're going to fill out the end of the bench and you already have so many young guys, I think Corey and Rodney are two great guys to have there uh, for, like we talked about, not only emotional and vocal support, but in a pinch, you know what you're getting out of them. Just to the quick point that you made earlier about Rodney, about, you know, he's not the guy at the end of the bench you know, chirping the whole time, and then when he gets out there, he doesn't do anything. He's not Dante Jones, folks. Rodney Magruder is with the shits, as Isaiah said, because that's what he said about he did. Rodney. Okay, so final ruling. Was I was I saying something there, or was I just talking? Saying something. I'll give you that. Wow, one for one. Holy smokes. I might go five for five. Wow. 
I doubt it. Second one, Big Sean, from a creative perspective, is the best thing to ever happen to Detroit. You're just saying something. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. Because if we really think about this, let's put our thinking no, caps no, no, on. No, you're just talking. Oh, I, somehow I inferred that that's yeah. what you meant, even no, though, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just from talking. your inflection and the face that you made at me. Because yeah. if we think about this for a second. Try. The, the, <laughs> the teal came back. Everybody loves it. Smash hit. But that's not anybody. That's just whoever came up with it in the 90s. Okay. Which you and can go we, read about in The Athletic because I talked to the people who created it. You have done that history. Yes, you have. If we just do a quick rewind, okay, the gray jerseys were garbage. Everybody hated them. Everybody hated them. If you think that you liked them, you didn't. The black jerseys that we wore in 18, 19, I think it was like 17, 18, and then 18. Well, I guess there were two iterations of the black. Maybe I'm forgetting. Those were fine, right? But there wasn't a, I mean, they're fine. Okay, the navy blues that we wore, garbage, hated them. The reds that we wore, like the Derrick Rose, Blake Griffin reds with the blue stripes, good. With the blue tire tracks, yeah. Good, fine, perfectly fine uniforms, fun alternates. The <clears throat> reds that we wore last year, bangers, only bangers. But then you have these green jerseys, man. And let me tell you something. I have been on this train since the second we saw them on the rack at that Jimmy Jazz. Like, they are so fun because it. my point that I made about them the first time that we saw them in a game was it almost feels like I'm watching a different team. Like, I love how different it is and how creative these uniforms are. And it's exciting because what does that mean for next year? I think you've said on the show a handful of times at this point that, we don't know definitively, but we can make a pretty decent assumption that the Teals are going to come back. They've made too much money. But we also have the other piece of it, which is Big Sean is going to get to do something else. And I don't know financially how the, the greens have been received, but I would imagine, at least from a, a public perception, that the Pistons have got to be pretty happy with, with, again, how the jerseys have been received. So, like... Do you think we do another weird color next year? Let's spend, you know, two minutes speculating about next year's jerseys. What do you think? Well, let's not do that. Let's 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 talk about what you just said. The the greens are random because the pistons are red, white, and blue, but the theme of the jersey is St. Cecilia's. It makes complete sense. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. It, it makes complete sense. I'm just saying, right, like you it's on it's it It's part of the Detroit stratosphere. It was, yeah. It's a, yeah. Now, my my question to you, because I don't know the answer, I could find out, or I could already know, and I could act like I don't know, but I'm not gonna. I don't know that for. I don't know which way I'm leaning. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for a fact. I don't know. I'll just leave it up to you guys. Like, are we sure Big Sean designed these? What just because arbitra- they said Big Sean on them? It would be an arbitrary thing to lie about. Does Does Shaq make Papa John's pizza? No, you what? hire Shaq to sell Papa John's pizza. Yeah, but that's just a weird thing that you can you can say that he's like a creative ambassador. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go take care of this in a second. No, I'm not. Never mind. Yes, I am. Hold on, James. I'll be right back. I gotta go. I got my dog's getting mad at the mailman. So do do a little spiel about about what you think the Pistons are gonna do next year. Okay. I don't know what they're gonna do next year, but all I'm saying is when it comes to the Saint Cecilia's jersey, I think that was a great marketing by the team to not only identify a landmark trademark um a a realm of the city of detroit that 
has been untapped when it comes to the professional ball club. I think that was a great a great look and a great idea. I'm just saying, like, I'm not I, – I don't, I don't know enough to say that, like, we're giving, like, Big Sean, like, sat at a drawing board and was like, we need to do this and we need to do that. I, I also know how advertising and marketing works. And it – yeah, that's all, that's all I'll say. I don't know. I don't know for a fact either way. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I think it's more likely that they showed Big Sean the jerseys. Do you like these? We'll make you the, the brand ambassador than it was him sitting in a room designing and coming up with this. That's just me personally. But the Raptors were just like straight up, Drake is our global ambassador, and that's it. If this was really some marketing ploy, which I guess I can't rule out. You're not, you're not wrong to say that that could be the case, right? But it's such a weird thing to lie about. No, it's not. It's really not. It's marketing. Do you think our more kids pe- gonna go? Our kids just gonna go get a, a green jersey, or are they more likely to get a green jersey if they love Big Sean? How many people respectfully actually love Big Sean like that? In twenty twenty three, I agree with you. I don't know that the Pistons know that. I, Danny Brown would have had something cooler. Let's just move on. <laughs> I'm just saying. I. And I could be again. I'm not saying one way, one line of thinking is right and one line of thinking is wrong. I'm just opening up the door of possibilities that he had nothing to do or very little to do with the creation of him. That's all I'm saying. Would you ask him that if you no, had the chance? Would you ask him that? No, I don't care enough. All right, fine. This next one, and I mail- looks like the mailman's leaving, so we should be good. And yeah, mailman just left. And I assume he wouldn't. I would assume he would say yes. He did. Either way. Next one. I have said in the last few weeks, a lot of times I've brought up the Devin Booker thing and how that's going to be a waiting game. We have to wait and see if that domino is going to fall in Phoenix and they got to blow it up, right? Is there a chance that Bam Adebayo is the sneaky guy that comes to Detroit and he's the big fish? that we go get and in order for this to become reality a few dominoes have to fall Miami has to slip and they have to slip enough that Jimmy wants to break up the band because he's already mad at everybody because the heat stinks so we're trending in the right direction there but to be fair Jimmy's always mad at everybody because he's Jimmy Butler okay so we need the Miami thing to not work and Pat Riley to say we just got to do something different are they at that point I don't think they're there yet but there's still a little bit of season to go here right they could make the play in and stink um another variable here is the Pistons can't get Victor Wembanyama for this to happen like if they get Victor the cards are kind of off the table there if you are in that two to five window two to six wherever they end up um then I think off the table I get Wembanyama I think that it is entirely plausible that they would want to try the Wembenyama Bam thing because both of them are, I would say Victor, maybe a little bit more, at least in terms of what we're being led to believe, is going to be a pretty versatile dude, pretty fluid on both ends of the floor, and you can kind of slot him in wherever because positions aren't real. Uh, but for the most part, I would think that if you add another big like that into the mix, I, I, trading for a guy like Bam maybe just doesn't make that much sense, right? But again, I, hey, I could be wrong. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, Cade's talking to Bam after that Heat game. The Pistons are giving the green light to Jalen Duran. Watch some Bam film. Check out what he's doing. Learn some stuff from him. What if we just put him in the building? What if we just did that instead? You know what I mean? And it's like, Nick, 
You just traded for James Wiseman. You just extended Marvin Bagley a year ago. You just drafted Jalen Duran. What do you want Bam Adebayo for? That Bagley contract suddenly looks pretty tradable if it comes to pass that Miami is shopping Bam Adebayo. And there's other stuff that you got to throw in and what the haul for that would be. I have no idea because he makes a lot of money. You got to throw some contracts together for that. No, but uh, Bam Adebayo, sneaky big fish idea. Am I saying something here, or am I just talking? I mean, I I like the I like where your head is at in terms of Bam being somebody that sneakily could end up on your basketball team. Like, I don't hate that one. It's not like you said, like Kevin Durant or something like that. I actually think there is a world in which the Heat disband in some way. But I also would argue that as long as Pat Riley is running the ship, I just can't see them tanking. And if they were, it would have maybe been this year where they're barely above 500 and there's Victor Wimbanyama and Scoot Henderson at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's hard to do that with the contracts they have and guys being healthy. So, I mean, even this year, like, it's it's not really feasible for them to do that. But um, it's a yeah, gettable guy. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say he's gettable, but I could say there's a world in which I I envision a world in which the Heat blow it up within the next year or two, and they take calls on their probably most prized asset. Yes, I think that is possible. So I'm teetering the line between saying something and talking. No, you're saying something. Cool. I don't think I'm not saying you're not saying something as in like he's going to end up in Detroit. You're saying something as in like, there's a world that bam is traded within the next year or two. Yeah. I'm not planting a flag and saying that this is like a, I want this. Well, of course I want it to happen, but I'm not saying I'm expecting it to happen this off season. If they don't get Victor. Um, Cause again, there, there are uh, too many variables here. It's contingent on too many different things. So, okay. On to the fourth one. Let's do some, let's do some draft talk, James. Let's just kick the can around with something. Real quick. If the Pistons land the second pick in the draft, despite Scoot Henderson being evaluated as highly as he has been, if Brandon Miller at the time of the draft or leading up to it is still the consensus third pick, the Pistons should highly entertain the idea of moving back one pick, you know, getting their hand in the asset arms race that's facing us in the NBA today and still getting their guy. Thoughts And I don't want to – don't do the thing where you're like, Troy is going to do his due diligence, and he's going to call people about – he's going to do his job, and he's going to – they might trade it. He's going to call people about trading it. Talk to me from like a – you know what I mean? Like, let's talk about this. Is uh, that a good idea? If you land two and you know the, the team behind you wants Scoot and you want Brandon Miller, is that a, a real thing that you would do? Um – if I'm running a team and I really like Brandon Miller more than Scoot, yes. I wouldn't take Scoot at two. I would move back. I, if I, I'll if i say this, I guess, to answer your question. You mean you wouldn't take Brandon at two, you would move back? Yeah. Okay. If, if the team behind you, if you're an NBA team and you have made the decision that you like Brandon Miller more than Scoot and you have learned through conversations that the team picking right behind you like Scoot more than Brandon, Yes, you definitely trade back and get more stuff to do this. If you, if that is how you're leaning, yeah, that's yeah, that's like a pretty obvious thing. Now, am I say I don't know that they like Scoot more than Brandon. I've just said, and I had this in a story like a few weeks ago, and I noticed it like pick up steam. Not 
my reporting, but others that like Brandon would seriously be considered for two. And that that's going to continue to heat up as we get closer to the draft, whether or not it happens is a different story, but I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Can I tell you why it made me mad that you wrote that? Because like a month and a half ago, I said to you, because I just did like this crazy, I spent like two hours just watching Scoot Henderson stuff. And I got on this podcast like the next day. And I was like, don't ever let me say Brandon Miller might be better than Scoot Henderson or like more worthy of the second pick. Because I was like, because that doesn't make any sense. And I'm disappointed in myself for not sticking to my guns on that one. Because I like to think I take my convictions pretty seriously and I folded and I should have just rolled with it because that's what I do pre-draft and I should have just let it ride. You know what I mean? You're a you're a folder. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to hold them. Know when to hold them. Know when to walk away and I know when to run. Yeah. You're good at that. And I never count my money at the table. Wait, you never count your money. Yeah, when you're sitting at the table. I don't know how far. I just know fold them, hold them. I don't, I don't know. The yeah, rest. if there are no Kenny Rogers fans out there, this bit uh, did not work. Okay, so again, let's teetering quick, the line. Yeah, yeah. Let's take I have one break, more. Though. I have one more. I have one Make more. Make wait. Let's take a let's, quick break. Okay, last one. I don't know, man. You're going to hate this one. I didn't even get a ruling, though. You just made us go to break inexplicably. What's the can I, was I what was I well, you like that take? You would you entertain it? Yeah, I would entertain it if I was a team that like Brandon Miller more than Scoot. I'm saying something then, and I'm three for four so far. Let's go four for five. What do you say, James? Let's do this together. Let's try. The James Wiseman trade could end up being the best and most consequential trade of Troy Weaver's entire tenure as a Detroit Pistons general manager. And I'm talking 10 years down the line. And he is at the trajectory that he's currently at, where he has more double-doubles since he's gotten to Detroit than he had in the however many games he played for Golden State, which isn't technically saying a ton because he didn't play that many minutes with Golden State in the time that he was there. But it's still something, right? And if him and Jalen Dern are going to be throwing lobs to each other, what the hell? That can happen? They can do that? That felt like cheating. Like, that felt like legit you turned all the sliders up in 2K and you were just pulling on rookie. You're just doing – you're you're the Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. That can happen in a real game of basketball? It, it, yeah, it happened twice. I can't believe – like, it. I was ascending. It was unreal. Anyways, because I think if we look back and, you know, this team – goes the way that we want it to go. This my turn, your turn relationship between Cade and Ivy blossoms, whoever you get in the draft, the Jeremy thing works out in free agency. You go get Bam out of bio, bring the whole band back together. And Troy Weaver was able to identify this guy in the moment that he did and for the price that he paid could ultimately end up being priceless, I guess is really the only way to say because. If you're getting that talent for what we gave up, and I've been throwing out some lofty overreactions about Wiseman in the last few episodes because I just I'm it's enjoying the experience so much. And so I figured par for the course, let's just let's just throw this out there. Because if we had to do the track record now, what is his best trade? Bogdanovich? Yeah. And are we I mean, are we what would be second? Are you putting Wiseman second? 
Are you doing one of the? Are you doing the draft night Isaiah Stewart trade with Houston? Because that worked. Yeah. 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 I would put that second. Um, I can't run through them all right now. But you like that say- Bruce Brown for John and Musa and the least favorable of three second round picks that the Brooklyn Nets had. You like that trade? Because I sure as hell don't. Your. I'm, uh, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. This sounds like a guy who's mad. I'm not you mad. Sound mad. I'm um, not mad. To answer your question, is there a world in which it is what we saw once the dust settled or what we thought once the dust settled and the trade happened that it's a low-risk, high-reward trade? Is that possible? Yes, it 100% is. Uh, I, too, have enjoyed the Wiseman experience, but I also will recognize that uh, the double-doubles are great, great touch around the rim. Um he doesn't. He needs to improve defensively. He'll tell. He'll tell you. He needs to like his, his read and react stuff defensively. He, and he talks about he'll come with more experience, more playing time. He admits that he hasn't played a lot of basketball. He needs to see the double teams, the triple teams, and and move the ball a little bit more when he does get it in the post. Set better screens. Not always post up. Like there's stuff he still needs to figure out before we crown him. But there are things that are interesting for sure, without question. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, there is a world in which Wiseman is everything people thought he would be coming out of the draft, and given what they gave up, 100% could be worth it. Um, is there a world where he, where he's not and he's just a solid player like Marvin Bagley? Yeah, there is. And even then, that's like, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, it's a, you're in the middle there. I wouldn't say you're... I'm not there yet. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not there yet with the trade, if that helps. That's not what I'm trying to say. No, I still think the trade was a good trade. It was a low-risk, high-reward trade. But to answer your question in terms of, like, is this franchise altering, I just think we're way too far away from saying if Wiseman's going to be a top-five big man in the NBA in three years. You know, the the two words, the phrase that you just used there is maybe the criteria, the framework I should have put into this is is in 10 years, if we're doing revisionist history, it would have to be a franchise-altering trade. You're right. And as much as I'm enjoying it, do I think that that's real? I don't know because in my head, you know, all the, all the chips fall in the right place and the Pistons soar to new heights. I have like three names that come to mind as to, you know, why that would be the case. And none of them are James Wiseman. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful, but like right now, I don't think that would be the case. Like you would say Cade first. I know a lot of people out there, they would say Jaden Ivey. And then honestly, whoever we get in the draft, they would say that guy. And we don't even, we don't even have a name for that guy yet. And people would (laughs) still probably put him above James Wiseman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's fair, and maybe I, I'll, I'm willing to reel that one. Well, I'm not going to reel it in. No, we just talked about how I need to stick to my guns and just say the take and just say it. Just that. Don't be afraid. I just got to say it, so well, that's you, it. You didn't plant your flag either way. You just proposed the scenario. So do you want to plant your flag? Because you don't need to right now. You can. You have an out. Yeah, it's a it's a low gravity situation. So the the uh, flag planting is like really slow. Okay. You get what I mean? Because yeah. if you're on Earth, you can just launch that thing in. But if you're on, like, you know, the moon or is Pluto low gravity, 
NASA just released a bunch of photos from a probe that they sent out to Pluto. Super high-res photos. Unreal. So beautiful. I didn't see them. I'll have to check them out. I'll have to link you. You have any... Um, link it, it, Wiseman's been here for about a month. Do you got any James Wiseman stories yet? It could be something small. You got anything? Um, He's a big battle rap fan. Oh, okay. Like, very big into battle rap. Yeah. Uh, there's another thing I heard, but I don't want to say it on here because I may want to do a story on it down the line. Fair. Uh, but yeah, he's a big battle rap fan. Like, knows a lot of the top guys. And as me, as somebody who also is a battle rap guy, we, we had a couple, we had a conversation recently about some of his favorites and stuff like that. I'm blanking on the Nick Cannon show. Wild and Out? That's what it is, right? Yeah. Is that like a, is it, do people view that show as like a hack? Like yeah, a hack job? I don't, yeah. I, if, if that's what comes to your mind when you hear battle rap, that is, there's a whole nother world you are not introduced to. It is the, it was the second thing that came to mind. I don't, the first, the first thing might be worse. Was Eight Mile? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on no, I'm just kidding. Well, actually, before we wrap today, though, sorry everybody, James has to get to packing, so a little bit. I mean, shorter it's closer to Eight today. Mile than Wild Now. It just felt reminiscent of last week when I was like, you know what, my favorite monument or like landmark in Ypsilanti is, and you were like the Water Tower. Oh yeah, yeah. It's all got right. sniped there. You got an album? Because I have a, I have something today. Um. Capone and Noriega, The War Report. My favorite artist, maybe of all time ever, point blank, period. New, D- new Danny Brown coming uh, this week, too, him and JPEG Mafia. JPEG Mafia. That's going to be tough. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. The Japanese house has not released music in two and a half years. We finally made it. Today, well, Monday, a new single came out forthcoming album tbd no name yet no dates no nothing but we finally got a new single called boyhood from the japanese house um i mean just uh just i was crying listening to it man i was just so happy to hear her voice again and to you ever you ever have that like like when you're just you're so starved for music from somebody and even if the song isn't emotional it's just the fact that you're hearing them again that you're like i'm just i'm so happy to be in this space yeah for sure I used to get it a lot more uh, in college, right out of college. Now I I get it with certain artists, but I just I don't disco- I don't try to discover new rap artists as much as I used to now. But yeah, like for the for my guys and gals, yes, yes, hundred um, percent. But you didn't pick an album; you picked a single from a well. That's it. TBD. That's, but you yeah. literally started the segment with "I got an album." No, I said I got one, and it's a single. That's one. Checkmate. Okay. Get rolled. I think that's bad semantics, but all right. Bad semantics is like an oxymoron because if it's semantics, it's probably bad. Semantics is good. kind of semi- – give me a I'm, – I'm genuinely asking. Let's have a philosophical question or a debate, debate conversation here. What is an example of good semantics? If you said something but a person took it a certain way but your way was the right way your semantics were good the way you said it the way in which you used the words it was good they just misinterpreted it but that's perception that's not semantics no <sighs> maybe because sem- semantics is like a, you don't have time for this ladies and gentlemen if you're listening <laughs> to this on apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars leave a review subscribe if you're feeling generous if you're listening to this on spotify you can also leave five stars please do 
We will catch Shaka Smart. Go green. In November.